You're with Julian on the Brown Note and a review of the latest Liam Neeson film, The Marksman. The director is a first-timer, but his production work is off the charts and multiple Oscar nominations, mainly with Clint Eastwood films, producing Mystic River, Million Dollar Baby, Flags of Our Fathers, Letters to Iwo Jima, uh, The Changeling, which was, I think, Angelina Jolie, Gran Torino, uh, Jay Edgar, American Sniper, He's had some production credits to his name. Um, and vague, some, a lot of those films have a sort of vague, similar heft to them, but still quite a wide array. Uh, well, he's returned with... Uh, he's, sorry, he's debut-directed his first film, and it's a very traditional Liam Neeson vehicle. But it is very, very obvious that this could have easily been a Clint Eastwood film. It even hues so close at times that you can actually see that it was meant to be Clint Eastwood in this. This is um, Liam Neeson is uh, someone, a bereaved man. They always are either estranged or bereaved. They never have a healthy wife living next to them. He lives on the border in post-Trump America next to uh, a big border fence which is continually being crossed by desperate Mexicans, actually more likely desperate Central Americans uh, trying to get into America and also the drug cartels who use it as a ferry point. And he's often finding these people traipsing across his land or even nearly dying from thirst and bloody feet on it. So he has a big relationship with um, who we find out is his daughter, Catherine Winnick, who's a local law enforcement, possible DEA, but in, involved in sort of um, sending people to come and p <coughs> pick up these lost souls and send them back across the border after they've spent all their money getting to that point. He, uh, very early, he's, 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 in, in, he's having his farm impounded by the bank, uh, which is, um, there are quite a few stereo stereotypical aspects to the movie. He drinks a lot. He spends his time by himself, uh, and the farm's the last thing he's got. It's a real tragic point in it. They like he points to the hill where he's buried his wife, and he's like, "You're, you're going to take my farm and bury my wife there." Um, ooh. and um, very early on, quite quickly, we see a, a, a double story with um, uh, Teresa Ruiz, uh, which happens in the opening credits. Actually, her brother or a cousin is steaming through a Mexican market being pursued by the cartel and tells her to run. He's robbed the cartel. She's with her young son, who is, I think, Juan Pablo Rubber, and they flee Mexico, and they get across the border. As they're getting across the fence, they run into Liam Neeson, who holds them there, uh, not in a malicious way, but you can't go anywhere, leading the cartel to have time to catch up with them, which results in a gunfight, and Liam Neeson then becomes the protector of the young boy for the rest of the film. This was a horrible moment in the movie for me. I was absolutely devastated. I didn't know who was in this film, and if you are a big fan of Narcos Mexico, when I saw Teresa Ruiz in this film as a lead character, I was over the moon. I was so happy. If you've ever seen Narcos Mexico, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I've not seen her in any American films. Why not? Put her in films. Put her in all of them. She gets killed at the start. I was absolutely gutted. I was like, I was nearly crying. I was like, 
I thought she was going to be in the whole film. So her, she, she leaves. Uh, she gets shot and killed right at the start. I'm not spoiling anything. And oh God, why did why Lister is one of the main characters? If you're going to offer in the opening five minutes, and so Liam Neeson then has to travel Logan style across America with this small child who he bonds with and learns to love again. And um, that's the whole film. And that's such a rote story. And obviously they're pursued by the cartel across America. Uh, And that is really it. It's the smallest possible Liam Neeson post-taken story you could get. Double-edged sword with this film. It's got bad reviews. Now, the bad side for me is I am an aficionado of Liam Neeson. Uh, I love him. I've watched... I've, I am a connoisseur of his movies post-taken, where he has created this entire world like Jason Statham did before he sold out with Fast and the Furious films. There are, you know, Jason Statham films, Liam Neeson films, all revolving around the Taken movies. Uh, one first one was just mind-blowingly... Um, quite nasty and actually really good for most of the film. Two and three were abominations. But he's made films like that continually ever since. But I've really liked it when they've branched into different directions and where they haven't just followed that formulaic design. He's, he's, he's kind of got two avenues he can go down. And one of those is the taken route, uh, you know, the whole kidnap family thing. But the other is the environmental thing where he's on a train or on a plane or it's in a, in a unique environment. Along the way, he started making really, really interesting films. The the Grey, the wolf one, was amazing. That was superb. Uh, non-stop, the one on the plane was so interesting compared to the others. The commuter, up and down with that one, but an interesting idea. Um, but it all sort of came to a head with me with Cold Pursuit, a criminally underrated film that was nothing like his other films. It was a very, very pitch-black comedy, uh, really, really dark, where he showed a different side to him. He was a guy that played Schindler in virtually his first film performance of any note in a role that I still don't understand didn't win an Oscar for Best Actor. He can be a brilliant actor, but like Clint Eastwood in his mid-years, even though Liam Neeson's in his elderly years, it's too easy, and Harrison Ford as well earlier on, it's too easy to throw them on the screen and let them carry a movie as a a strong leading man. So the material hasn't always lived up to it, but if you pick those cherries like The Grey and Cold Pursuit, there were some really interesting films. So once I got to that point, I hope that we weren't going to get a really rote Liam Neeson film and we've got two in a row, back-to-back, only a month or two apart. The previous one was even more rote than this. I can't even remember what it was called. That was only a barely, if you can be bothered, watch. I don't even think that I would say I'd bother watching that one. I did review it, I think, but it was a a low point in his modern filmography. This isn't the low point. For all of its roteness, it's got a couple of things going for it. Maybe because this was a film designed for Clint Eastwood, I felt Liam Neeson's acting here was the standout. I felt he really acted well. I thought he presented um, an interesting character, quite a broken man, but he acts really well in this, much better than that rote Taken role or any of those roles like the Taken films where he 
He just gives this bulldog Liam Neeson. He doesn't do that here. Um, the other thing is the kid isn't annoying, which is a massive bonus. He's actually kind of cool. But really, it's production values. It's very well made. Um, it's very, it's it's quite lyrically made. Um, not a lot happens, but it is well made. And the the main gangster he's up against is quite a memorable character. It's it's well shot in that Heartland style, and it's amiable and easy to watch. So I'm not going to trash it. I expect more from his films at this stage, but it is a very watchable film. Um, it's a slight. Very well made, watchable film in the usual hard-edged Liam Neeson mould with at least a bit of emotional feeling under the surface and a very strong performance from Liam Neeson. So I'm going to give uh, The Marksman, which is curiously named The Marksman for most of the film. There doesn't seem seem to be much marksmanship going on. A couple of times, but you're kind of like, well... Where's that come from? So I'm going to give it a six and a half out of ten. A watchable and a mild recommend. 